listening to Beyond the Game. I love you guys. love the program. You're already famous in Rochester, but watch out world. It's a faith-based sports radio program. That's the dumbest thing I could think of. I love everything about it, the, the, the beards, the handshakes. That just means I'm never leaving my kids alone with you. The ladies are digging my sweet bass. We would be honored if you would join us. Welcome in, everybody, to the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Zach Barletta is out of town this week, though we do expect him to call in in just a little bit. Glad to have you along for the next half hour or so as we talk sports from a faith-based point of view. BTGprogram.com or at BTGprogram. It's sports talk without the trash talk. The Cleveland Browns' is Odell Beckham Jr. Still seems odd to say that, doesn't it? We all know he likes to talk. He certainly likes the attention. But this cat hasn't shut up. At some point, you have to move on. Don't just start wondering maybe what he's really feeling. Not just speculating for a moment, but maybe you recall what it's like to be a young preteen in love or at least know of a young preteen in love. They have a crush on somebody. They show those feelings that they have, those amorous feelings, by acting as though though they don't even care about the, the one that they have that crush on. Uh, they pick on them. They tease them and so on. Oh, uh, that girl, psh, I, I don't like her. As every reporter and media outlet will now tend to do, GQ recently did a story and put the bait out there to get Beckham talking about his former team, the New York Giants. Among a number of other things, Beckham said he felt disrespected by the Giants when they traded him to Cleveland back in March. But here's the kicker, and I find this really hard to believe, but who knows? He said that at times over the past few years, things had gotten so bad in New York that he considered retiring. Now, maybe so. Maybe a guy in his early to mid-20s, I I think he's 26 now, so depending on when he actually considered walking away from the game, he could have been, what, 24, 25? Uh, Would you really think about walking away from a game you spent your entire life dreaming about playing? working hard to get into the position you are in of of really being one of the best in the world at what you do. And you'd walk away. Quit better jobs than this. Things were that bad in New York. Here's the thing. When it comes to cutting off one's nose in spite of their face, I'm the king of that. And I'm not sure I would be walking away. For you youngsters out there who may not be familiar with the phrase, cut off your nose in spite of your face, it simply means being overly, needlessly self-destructive in overreacting to a problem. Now, sorry, I don't believe he actually considered retiring from the NFL because he was so dissatisfied playing for the Giants. But maybe he was. Beckham said in the GQ interview that he felt disrespected. Quote, my initial reaction was not disappointment, he says. I wouldn't think you'd be too disappointed if things were as bad as you say they were. That's so bad that you considered retirement. I I would think if you were traded that you wouldn't be disappointed. In fact, the Giants traded you, but they put you into a pretty darn good situation there in Cleveland. But then he adds, quote, after everything I've done for them. Now, wait a minute. This is not just because I'm a Giants fan, but what exactly did you do for them? Did you win a championship? About even a playoff game? Now, I get it. It's a team game. Undoubtedly, Beckham made some spectacular catches. He forced defenses to adjust to them. 
But there were also some boneheaded penalties. There was some sideline pouting. There were some embarrassing things and a couple of ill-timed stinkers of a game in there as well. After everything I've done for them? I hear what he's saying. But look, this wasn't exactly charity that you were doing for them. You were well paid to be the best football player that you could be. After all, the Giants signed into what was then a record five-year extension worth nearly $95 million, I think. He was paid. He was paid when he was making one-handed catches, as well as when he was beating up kicking nets on the sideline. In my opinion, he's as much a superstar as a result of his acrobatic high-reel catches and his charismatic electric personality as he is for being a productive receiver. Now, sure, of course, targets, coverages, injuries, schemes, quarterback, play calling, all those things factor into a player's productivity. Now, don't get me wrong. Beckham's one of the best in the league. I'm quite certain that unless he gets hurt, he's going to be more productive in Cleveland than he was in New York. He has a better quarterback, for one, and he's motivated. He wants to stick it to the Giants. I felt disrespected, he says, because I felt like I was the main reason at keeping that brand alive. They were getting primetime games still as a 5-11 and team. Why? Because people want to see the show. You want to see me play. Now, there's an element of truth there. But Odell Beckham Jr. was not keeping the New York Giants brand alive. This is the New York Giants we're talking about. One of the all-time classic franchises in the NFL, and possibly even in all of sports. No, they're not the Dallas Cowboys, the New York Yankees, or Manchester United when it comes to franchise value and brand recognition, but they're not the Tampa Bay Rays. They're not the Jacksonville Jaguars. No disrespect to those organizations, but this is the New York Giants. Beckham's brand was helped as much by playing for the Giants as they benefited from him. The Giants don't have to travel to London to play in front of a stadium full of fans. Now, I will agree that an exciting star athlete like Beckham, a guy who at any moment can give you a catch worthy of discussion as the all-time best catch ever, that's going to make networks and advertisers want to have you in primetime TV. But you're not keeping the brand alive. And by saying that, who disrespects who? The brand benefits from one-handed catches, no doubt about it. But pretending to pee on the field such as he did in a game against the Eagles That's not keeping the brand alive. It's not uncommon to hear people say someone disrespected them. And yet, if we're conducting ourselves in true humility, why does that bother us? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3 say, With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I'm not saying that you necessarily need to allow yourself to get walked on or taken advantage of or abused, but my not doing what you want me to do or my not agreeing with your conclusion on a matter or your view of it doesn't automatically mean that I'm disrespecting you. Beckham's beef seems to be with the GM and the coach of the Giants more than with ownership. He was clear about that in the GQ interview. And if the trade happened, as he says, then I'd agree. Maybe the coach and the GM handled it with a lack of integrity and without any respect for him or his feelings. But that never gives us the freedom to talk badly about someone. If you have a problem with someone you feel has disrespected you or has offended you, have the minerals to go to that person and tell them. 
Maybe they're not even aware that they offended you. The Bible lays out a clear plan for handling disagreements among fellow believers, all in the name of preserving unity. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 to 17 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Go talk to him or her, not to everyone else. Don't be talking about that person. Talk to that person. If you don't get anywhere, go to them again. But this time, bring someone with you, someone unbiased. Maybe they can get the person to see that they acted inappropriately or just maybe uh, here in the other side to help you see that you're wrong about the whole thing. And eventually, if you can't get anywhere, move on. But move on in silence. It's never right to gossip about someone else. Sometimes people say, he or she hasn't earned my respect. The Bible tells us we need to have respect for everybody. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Disrespect is really a result of not knowing what the Bible says. Well, or maybe not caring. When you talk about the president or other politicians, are you respectful? When you talk about sports personalities, are you respectful? If for no other reason, we should respect each other simply because God loves them. 1 John 4.10 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Simply a big word meaning to make an appeasement. God loves all people so much that though all are sinful and deserving of punishment, he sent his son to die on a cross in order to appease the penalty of sin. You know, it's been said that many people may sacrifice, maybe even their lives, for a good person. But how much would you sacrifice for someone you know is a bad person? Yet when Jesus gave his life on the cross, it was for people with hearts full of sin. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ shed his blood, laid down his life to pay the penalty of your sins and mine. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His death, as well as his resurrection, make it possible for us to be forgiven of sin and go to heaven if we accept the free gift he offers. The free gift of eternal life in heaven is yours to accept, or if you choose, to decline. God offers you his love and mercy, but he leaves that choice up to you. If you want to be forgiven of your sins, you want to spend eternity in heaven, then admit your sin to God and ask him to forgive you. If you choose to reject this offer, you really don't need to do anything. But know this, there will come a time when the bill is due. And there's only one place to spend eternity, if not in heaven with God. The Bible promises that by confessing our sins, God will forgive us and cleanse us of our sins. 
First John 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I hope you pray to God and admit your sin and guilt to him. Tell him you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and that he was buried and rose again from the dead. And ask God to forgive you and ask him to help you repenting from your sin. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll do that today. I hope you'll give your heart to God. And if we can help in any way, feel free to let us know by reaching out to us through our website, btgprogram.com. Thanks for being with us. I'm Rick Benson. You're listening to the Beyond the Game program. The Power Up Sports Ministry Conference is October 8th in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the offices of Our Daily Bread Ministries. You'll hear from Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports, Carolina Hurricanes Chaplain Sid Graham and his wife Kristen, and from Mike Moore, Chaplain with the Houston Dynamo. It's the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Register at powerupsportsministry2019.eventbrite.com. Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. When I have a home remodeling project, whether interior or exterior, I call McAfee's Remodeling Company. Family owned for nearly two decades, McAfee's Remodeling Company is the name I trust. Mike McAfee put a new bathroom into my house three years ago, and I'm still getting compliments on it every time someone comes over to visit. Mike and his crew are experienced and professional, and you'll be thrilled with their work. So give McAfee's Remodeling Company a call today at 402-1070. That's 402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Encouragement, training, resources, and great fellowship. It's all part of the Power Up Sports Ministry Conference October 8th. Join us at Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Speakers include the chaplains of the Carolina Hurricanes and the Houston Dynamo. Keynote speaker is Clark Kellogg of CBS Sports. If you're involved in sports ministry, this day's for you. Register at powerupsportsministry2019.eventbrite.com. Welcome back into the show. So glad to have you with us here on the Beyond the Game program. Coming to you from Rochester, New York, recording from the BTG studio. But you know you can get the show wherever it is that you are. This week we say hello and thank you to the Netherlands, one of the many places around the world to download the program over these last few weeks. That's a clumsy way for me to bring up the Netherlands in order to recognize the passing this week of actor Rutger Hauer at the age of 75. 
Hauer was born in the Netherlands, made his home there, and eventually passed there a few days ago. A terrific actor who I've always felt was underappreciated, most famously known probably for his role in Blade Runner, but he was also in uh, just a number of films. Uh, one of my favorites, underrated Lady Hawk, starring, of course, Hauer and Michelle Pfeiffer and Matthew Broderick. Rutger Hauer passing away this week at the age of 75. To those of you in the Netherlands or wherever it is you're listening from, whether it be on the radio or through our podcast, we thank you for being with us as well. Zach Barletta is, unfortunately, but then again, from a, from a well, let me just tell you, Zach Barletta is in Tampa. He is uh, His family lost his granddad, a great man. But the family is rejoicing and celebrating his life together knowing that he is now with Jesus. So Zach's not with us this week, mm-hmm. but he has called in right now, and we will go through the shenanigans statements. Zach, how's everybody doing? How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, like you said, you know, we suffered a, a loss of the patriarch of our family, really, but um, we've been able to celebrate his life, and uh, we've had a lot of uh, sharing stories and anecdotes and stuff, and it's really been a good time. And you got the joy of flying through Newark on the way down. Those of you who follow Zach on Facebook or Twitter probably saw his rants about that. <laughs> Hopefully you don't yeah, have to fly um, through there again. You know, I haven't looked at my itinerary. I'm kind of dreading looking at it because if it's Newark again, I may consider just hitchhiking home from here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was quite an experience. We sat in a plane out on the tarmac for about 90 minutes. Um, with only partial air conditioning because they were trying to conserve fuel for the flight. And this just happened to be on a day that it was 97 degrees in Newark. So we were basically slow cooking inside an airplane waiting to take off. Did they pull the plane up under a shade tree at least? Oh, no. No, 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 no. (laughs) This is Newark. Not not a lot of shade at an airport. Nope. Well, our listeners, if you would, keep Zach's family in prayer. We're going to go through the shenanigans statements. He texted them to me. We're going to do something a little different, and I am going to read them uh, as if I were he um, because of the way the the phone and the calling in and all that. Long explanation. You don't need to know. All you need to know is I'm going to read them. So here's the first one. Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield will have the, will have the best season of all the second-year NFL quarterbacks. And I'm going to agree with that statement that you came up with, Zach. With with the talent that he's got around him and the weapons he has, it's almost impossible, you would think, for him not to, barring an injury, of course. Uh, I think that's a no-brainer. How about you? Um, I'm going to disagree and say shenanigans. I don't think it's going to be a surprise uh, that I'm going to actually pick Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, Um well, first of all, I think if you're asking the questions like I would, then I need to answer the questions like you would. So probably I'll need to say, get off my lawn and wear a really <laughs> ugly sweater. Get off my lawn. No, I'm going to pick Josh Allen. And basically, it's almost from a fantasy football perspective. I think that the way that he runs the football at the end of the year, he will have had the best season, even though look, Baker Mayfield was the best quarterback in the draft, hands down. He has some terrific weapons. Uh, but I think the Browns are going to run the ball a lot, and I think the way that Josh Allen runs might make him a uh, top-10 quarterback in the league this year. He would have to do everything pretty much himself. He does not have the weapons around him that, obviously, Baker Mayfield does. Who's he throwing to? Who's he handing? Well, we'll get into that here in a minute, so why don't I just introduce that second question that you wrote. LaShawn McCoy will be the Buffalo Bills starting running back in 2019. What do you say? Well, 
to piggyback off your first question, uh, John Brown, Robert Foster, Zay Jones, Cole Beasley are going to be the top four targets. And uh, I think it's more quantity than quality. I think they're, they're I would B agree with C that. receivers. Um, he doesn't have that, uh, that A.J. Green, that Odell Beckham type number one receiver. But I do think he can spread the ball around. Uh, one of those targets will be LaShawn McCoy. We know that he's good in space and as a pass catcher. Uh, I believe he will be the running back one to start this season. Uh, I do not believe he will be the starting running back by the end of the season. I think that will be Devin Singletary. Uh, we see LaShawn McCoy get dinged up here and there every year. Uh, he's well past the age where running backs start to see steep decline. Uh, we saw some of that last year, whether it was motivation, poor offensive line play, declining skills, uh, some combination. Look, Frank Gore is already on the injury list. Devin Singletary was a third-round pick with significant talent. Uh, I think by the halfway point, Devin Singletary is your starter, and I don't think he looks back. Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I, I think LaShawn McCoy is almost by default, and I don't mean that in a negative sense that this is a, you know, you got nobody else, so you just got to make it him. He's a, He's a terrific football player, but at this stage of his career, Boy, I'll tell you, if if there was some competition there in camp, uh, I think that could push him. I think that could be good for the Bills, but that push only tends to last so many weeks, right? So somebody else who's right. pushing McCoy is eventually going to take that spot. And as you say, getting dinged and, and banged up here and there certainly isn't going to help him stay on the field. Um, but I like your point, and certainly I would yield to your knowledge of numbers and, and the, the minutia of fantasy football stuff. And Josh Allen's ability to spread the ball around, including a guy like McCoy. This is where I always uh, – McCoy is so valuable other than just handing the ball off. And that's an area where we're going to have to see if Josh Allen is going to be a top 10, top 15 quarterback. He's going to have to improve with the quick passes to the running back. We saw almost some comically bad throws to that area of the field last year. So that's one area where I certainly am going to be looking for him to make that improvement in his second season. All right, third statement. Several of the teams that were expected to make their starting pitchers available at the trade deadline are in contention for playoff spots as the deadline approaches. Truth or shenanigans, the trade deadline will be quieter than expected. And I'm going to say truth. It's going to be, though uh, I'm going to give a kind of an asterisk to this. While it's it'll be quieter maybe in in the number of trades, I still think some of those big names get traded. Uh, Marcus Stroman, Mike Miner, uh, even Madison Bumgarner. I, you know, the Giants have crept into contention, but does anybody other than those in San Francisco really think that's anything more than some sort of mirage. I think they're better trading Bumgarner and getting uh, some pieces back. But here's what here's the issue with that: the asking price on all these guys is reportedly super high, and this is what I think is killing trades all the way around. And I know they they got rid of the waiver deadline in the hopes that this would would build about more trades. But when your asking price is so astronomical. Man, teams are hesitant to make that trade. What do you say? I agree. I think it's going to be a quieter deadline. I think we're already seeing that. You know, I think 
Uh, by the time this show airs, the deadline is less than a week away. It'll be like five days away. Um, and at this point, as of recording, we have not seen any big deals. I think if you're going to have no waiver trades, where after the deadline there are no trades, I think maybe the answer is to move the deadline back a little bit. Maybe move it back a week to 10 days into the start of August. Giving a team's point, chance so many, to fall out is what you're thinking? Exactly. So many teams have a shot. I mean, not too long yeah. ago, all five teams in the, in the NL Central were within four or five games of the playoffs. So I think if you give them a little more time for teams to realize, all right, we're done, it's time to start thinking about next year, I think maybe that would fix the deadline. But as for this year, you'll still see some of the big names move. Look, Zach Wheeler is going to get traded. They're not going to resign him. I think Stroman is going to get traded. Um, but I think the overall volume of moves might be less. Yeah, I agree with you. For as much as we love that wild card because it keeps teams in the hunt, and this is one of the downsides to it. The trade deadline is not as exciting as it once was because teams are in the hunt. You got a, you got teams nine and a half, ten games out of division t- chase, and yet they're within a game or two of the wild card. Yeah, it makes it exciting for those teams to dream about a one game playoff. But those of us who yeah. love the uh, hot stove, uh, the trade deadline type stuff. Uh, it does banish. Well, I got you on the phone. I, I might as well ask you, do you have a you like that before we let you go? Sure. Um, you know, I haven't been able to watch as much this week. I've spent a lot of time in airports and those types of things, baking in airplanes. But one thing I did get to see some video of that I really loved was seeing our beloved Yankees, Mariano Rivera and Mike Mussina, go into the Hall of Fame, obviously with as much grace and class as they exhibited during their careers. Uh Mariano Rivera, I enjoyed his joke about always having to be last, even in his Hall of Fame induction, obviously as the closer. Uh, it was great to see, and obviously we've waited a long time to see it, so uh, that was what you I like really that. liked this week. Like I'll that. give mine once I get off the phone with you. I'll let you go. I'll let you get back to family. Uh, we'll be praying for you. Have a safe trip home, and we'll see you next week. All right, thank you. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men, who will be able to teach others also. Obviously, a key verse when it comes to discipleship, it is the basic premise of the older teaching the younger, those with more knowledge in a certain area, teaching those with less knowledge in that area. What I like this week is Michael Kay, Yankees announcer, ESPN broadcaster, missing a month of studio time and Yankee games due to vocal cord surgery. Now listen, don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to be mean towards Michael Kay. But what I like about this is the opportunity it gives to young Ryan Rucco to step in, and he has done a fabulous job. Now Rucco has plenty of experience. He's not some newbie, but he's getting an opportunity in this spotlight, and I always like seeing that. Michael Kay stepping aside, it just temporarily and giving Ryan Rucco an opportunity to show his skills is what I like this week well that's it for us remember this radio program is only on the air thanks to the generous support of our listeners it's because of your prayers and financial gifts that make the beyond the game program possible please pray about becoming a supporter of this radio ministry and if you feel led to give a financial gift of any amount please visit our website it's btgprogram.com for zach barletta And remember to pray for Zach and his family as they grieve the loss of their granddad and father, but they also celebrate knowing that he's in the arms of Jesus. 
For Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at the same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody. 